back to season six of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today is the OG crew back together again. My co-host for six straight years, Mr. Matthew Aguilar, is with me. And What's up, everybody? Fantastic. Hey, yo, 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 settle down. Settle you stopped, you paused, you paused. I, I thought you were doing for a cue up, man. Everybody just say hi now, really quick. Hi. Hi. Now we are Connor Casey, Matthew Aguilar, all with me today. So let's go over a couple things. If you guys are joining us on the live show, we do it all for geek culture. And this is the hub show where we literally do it all for geek culture. But we also have a bunch of Comic Book Nation spinoff episodes. There's a lot happening in the feeds this week. We reviewed all the Super Bowl trailers. We are keeping up with Halo Season 2 on our new gaming focus segment, Quick Save. Matthew Aguilar still crushing it. That crushing it in the comic book industry with the pull list every week. And of course, this is people are already saying it's a Marvel centric heavy week. So if you're looking for deep dive Marvel stuff, there is also the phase zero feed you can go to for all of that. All right. We've got the whole comic book podcast universe mapped out for you here. But let's talk about what we're going to do on our show today. So. We are going to go around the bend and talk about everything. I've lost my rundown. Uh, too many tabs. I hate this job sometimes. Oh, here we go. <laughs> we are going to be talking about Madame Web, and we have a lot to unpack there. So, you know what? Let's just get into it. It's going to be a surprise. You guys will find out everything we talk about today. Uh, first up, Connor, Casey, and I are trying to shake off the mental duress, I'll call it, of seeing madam webb in theaters last night now full context sony played a very bold game here cotton they released madam webb on valentine's day they cut all screenings for most markets they wouldn't even do a preview night before valentine's day as is typical for pretty much every movie that comes out and so they use valentine's day as almost a buffer zone knowing there would only be limited you know, interest of people saying, you know what, I love my partner and I'm going to show that by making them go see Madam Webb with me. So they knew that would be a limited capacity for that. So it's only really now that we're starting to get like <clears throat> the full and honest picture of what is going on with Madam Webb. And uh, Connor Casey, let's get into this because both of us came out feeling like we might need an MRI and make sure we don't have like a tumor because the experience of watching this movie I, genu I genuinely lost time. Like, I lost time in this movie. Not like I went to see a movie and I'm regretful about my time. There is a period of this movie, and guys, I'm gonna, we're going to do something. I said this in, in the rundown. Look, I don't believe any of you were hinging on our show to tell you whether you want to see Madam Webb or not. I feel like a lot of people are either listening to this for the morbid curiosity of what is going on with this movie and what they've heard online... Or you know you're not going to see it and you're just listening. You want somebody to just give you a kind of a breakdown of what's going on. So, guys, we are going to talk about Madam Web spoilers like we are. We're going to talk because there's no way to address this movie pretty much at all without talking about significant things that happen in this movie that are just so weird and specific and, and confusing and baffling that we just got to give you guys some real context. So we're dropping all the marketing, all these fake ass interviews, all of these kind of early support thumbs up or can kind of rationalizations from, you know, industry pundits. 
here's the deal. Madam Web is a mess. It's not even a movie. It's not even coherent. It's nothing that you really signed up to see. It is not a superhero movie at all. It's like somebody tried to make a thrilling, a cha- like a, a dark thriller. A, a Terminator-style yeah, chase ter- yeah, thriller. Yeah, Terminator-style chase thriller about same way with Terminator. That's a, you know what? That's perfect. Connor Casey nails it again because it's like Terminator. John Connor ain't John Connor in this movie. They're going to kill John Connor before John Connor's John Connor. And at no point does John Connor become the leader of humanity in this movie. At no point in Madam Web are there superheroes. No. Okay. Well, dream sequences. Yes. All that stuff you see, the costumes. Oh, we put on the costumes, all this stuff. They're for dream sequences of a future that could happen. Those are your soul, besides Ezekiel Sims. Are you serious? Those are the soul times you see costumes in this movie. And Matt, I know you love some of these characters. The costumes look awful. They look like parties. Yeah, it looks awful. There is costumes in the dream sequence at the beginning. There are costumes and one of the worst visual sequences. I mean, the flash looks like like something that belongs in the MoMA compared to the last scene of Madam Web. <laughs> I have shoes. No for way. Which is Madam Web envisioning her in the future with these spider ladies in full Madam Web costume, the dress, the glasses, with a weird sky web holding them all together and hovering in the sky that she sees with all of them in costume. And it looks like somebody made a parody for like one of the comedy shows to say like, I am Madam Web and like have like this overly grandiose thing. I half expected Keenan Thompson to come out and be like, why is that lady floating up there with those webs? Get her down. Like, like it, I would rather watch that. Yeah. So would I. <laughs> um, and beyond that, like in between this movie is nuts, bro. Like it's just a mess. Nothing makes sense. All the Spider-Man stuff comes in and is never directly referenced. We get an entire buildup in the first act to meeting uh, just something Emma Roberts. Oh, spoiler, she's Mary Parker. We see Adam Scott, who's, oh, spoiler, Uncle Ben. May and Richard are never in this. Richard's mm-hmm. on a business trip, and Ben references mm-hmm. May in this really awkward scene. That May is hilariously like. not referenced, which makes me think they weren't allowed to say her name. Yeah, there's two things that don't get referenced here, <laughs> even though they're mentioned multiple times and thrown in our face, and that Ben is dating a new woman who he never names, but in this awkward scene that makes it seem like he and Cassie used to casually bang or something like that because... She's like, oh, who's your new girlfriend? And he's like, um, and he won't say her name. And she's like, oh, she's special. Mm. And we're like, okay, all right. <laughs> Never mentioned by name. And uh, yeah, Mary's having a baby. There's a whole scene about guess the baby's name and nobody ever does. And the baby is born eventually and nobody mentions the baby's name once. It, it, it is so awkward. It is and, Peter Parker, but nobody ever says Peter. And I know why they did it. They were debating because the, the theories are already out there. This could have been set in the 90s. And honestly, outside of a couple of yeah. needle drops, it absolutely could have been because there's nothing really separating this from 2003 when it's set. A small set aside from a, a few like advertisements. Yeah. Like the Beyonce album cover yeah. on one of the walls. Obvious like, okay, CGI yeah. kind of 
product placements. And people are going to be like, oh, this fits right in with like 2000, mid 2000s era, like Daredevil and some of the Electra and some of the bad ones that came out. No, this is worse. It has a lot of the editing and action, like choreography techniques that those have. And yet it still doesn't make any sense. And nothing takes the cake for this movie quite like Tahar Rahim's Ezekiel. The one... I heard that name going around and I laughed out loud. I went, oh boy, because I'm a defender of the totems and all that. But uh, how do they fare here? Not after this, you're not. On God, I have never compared an actor's performance to Tommy Wiseau until now. And here's the thing. I don't blame him for this because it is so obviously 95% ADR. There are maybe two scenes where his lips actually match what he is saying. And the delivery is so awkward and wooden that it actually distracts from all of the other stilted dialogue that everybody else is forced to give. Yeah, it's real bad. It's clear that this movie was something at one point. And then they changed it and they were like, okay, we got to really overhaul this movie because his lines, like you said, it's a complete redubbing of his lines. Where is my spider? These girls kill me. I must destroy them. Yeah. It it is so bad. And there's a, his first introductory scene made me want to get up and walk out. He's, he goes to a party, a symphony. He meets a lady. He sleeps with her. He wakes up and he just starts, he wakes up in the middle of the night and ladies, if this ever happens to you, get your stuff and run immediately. If a guy wakes up in bed and is like, I have the same dream that I'm murdered every night by these three young girls, but I'm going to kill them first. Like by using the NSA technology. Yeah, by using that NSA you have. Te- yeah. Reference. Remember the 2000s when both of them, you know, started spying on us all? Yes. Ezekiel Sims steals that technology so he can find spider people. And this is a thing. Zoe Mamet's in this from girls for as his like girl in the chair, but she disappears halfway through the movie. And then she's just, again, voice ADR. Mm-hmm. Like, we hear her over comms, like, and that's about it. Um, where I lost time was when this movie jumps, because their whole mythology of the spider powers has to do with weird Amazonian spider people we never really get explained. Who never get explained, and they keep showing them in the exact same shot of one guy falling from a tree. Yeah, jumping down superhero pose from a tree. And when Dakota Johnson goes to the Amazon, my something happened in my brain where it was just like, I don't think I can take this. Like everything happened. I think I looked at my phone. I think I disassociated and thought about life. I think I did a lot. And then all of a sudden I knew I was back and there were fireworks in a fireworks factory that was set up so like ham fistedly in the beginning of the film. This fireworks thing is ready to go off at any time. (laughs) Here's the thing. If you told me this was originally pitched as Dakota Johnson has to save these three girls who are getting hunted down by an evil Spider-Man in one night, and she's got the powers of Nicolas Cage from next, I might believe that it is possible to make a good movie. But they throw this in so many different directions on top of that, that you just sit back and go, why the hell did you make this? Why the hell is during this big tense chase does she go, I need to leave for a week and go to Peru. I'll see you guys then. Yeah, it's like, She abandons what? these girls multiple times. First of all, there's a whole joke in the first act about how she essentially kidnaps these three girls and is looked after, which another plot thread just goes nowhere. She's on the news as a kidnapper, but yet she just runs around in the same stolen cab for the most of this movie. She just keeps Part stealing cars. Girls not stay caught. here in these woods while yeah. I go check on my apartment. And if I ever get pulled over, you, it would be really helpful if you were with me still, but yeah. no, we need you to go into a diner so you can dance on tables. Cause that's what teenagers. Yeah. There is, let's just put it this way. Britney Spears is toxic 
is a major plot point in this movie. The actual that's not a bad thing necessarily. <laughs> in this movie, it is. It's because <laughs> I do love toxic. toxic a great song. Timer on how to save the future is it? It, it gets more ridiculous if All, you can believe it. Also, Madam Web, like ninety percent of her offense in this movie is just hitting the guy with a car. Yeah, like she hits her with a taxi and then with an ambulance. ambulance. She steals more cars and ambulances and somehow is a career criminal but she does allude to her shady past when she asks in the very opening scene to ben what you've never been shot at in queens new york what <laughs> like it's like spider-man grand theft auto in 2003 but uh it wasn't fallujah guys like chill like it, it, it um, it's so bad and can i just say i'm already hearing the oh it's not dakota johnson's fault i know you fire your agent the moment the trailer came out for this Honey, you're 0 for 3 now on franchises trying to hop on this. You hopped on the Need for Speed live action movie. How'd that go? You were in the Fifty Shades movies, and I know we all just collectively said, hey, it's not your fault. Let's just kill Jamie Dornan's career instead. And now this. At some point, you need to have the decision-making process of which franchise you want to hop into taken away from you. Because this is a trend. I don't think, but here, I'm not going to go at the actors because I've listened to these interviews because I've just been trying to watch myself, you know, first of all, watch how badly a lot of pundits have handled these interviews. Like the guy asking her about, oh, yeah. the mom a, and your spider. He's a thousand percent not interested. But, in, but that was just stupid. It's yeah. stupid as an interview point. And an actress doesn't remember every single line of dialogue. And then you're going to go, hey, don't you think the internet, it's great that the internet thinks your line is so stupid and ask that in an interview? Like, if he, she had slapped that guy, I'd have been like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, also, by the way, her interviews have been, like, the press tour has been the most entertaining thing about this yeah, whole thing. Yeah, like, she, I actually she, adore her in interviews. <laughs> I think she's I hilarious. Because so. that's all you can do. No, and she's not taking a rap for this. And she's made it clear. She's like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever watching this. Like, let me out of here. She said, this is not what I signed up for. Look. I defended this movie when it was pitched because a lot of people were like, I don't know about this. And I was like, neither do I. But I feel like at some point there was this was supposed to be a story about the actual Spider-Man lore, like the web of life, all of that, which is never mentioned. It's shown multiple times, but never mentioned or explained. But the web of life and ensuring that Peter Parker exists was supposed to be the point of this movie. It's a back to the future type deal. She knows that Peter Parker is going to become Spider-Man. There is this other guy who knows that. He wants to take, you know, that off the table. And I feel like the three were people she needed to recruit who had actual powers that she could help unlock to help her achieve this goal. Mm -hmm. Because that's what she does in the comics. Yeah, exactly. She she assembles teams and other people and is the guiding commander, essentially, because she sees the vision. Exactly. And, and if you haven't read the comics and the whole uh, initial Spider-Verse thing, the Amazing Spider-Man TV show from the 90s. Yeah. She's like at the centerpiece of a couple of yeah. seasons of it. Yeah. And so like that's what this movie was, I feel like, originally supposed to be. Back to the future with protect Spider-Man so that Spider-Man, you know, poster on the wall doesn't fade out. Mm. Right. And that would have been intriguing. That's an expansion of this universe that that's intriguing. It goes beyond Spider-Man's story. He's not the only one. Something we've gotten from Spider-Verse. Like, we can play with that. It feels like they they just cut it, like we said, into this weird thrill thing about where we're supposed to care about characters who 
I know we love them here as like comic fans and Matt obviously is going to stump for all of these ladies, but like to the general public, you yeah. know, Iran. Uh, no, I Matt get it. Absolutely. Been, like, nobody knows who nobody, Anya Corazon is. Nobody knows. Well, okay. People do, not, but not non-comic fans. Right. <laughs> but but what I will say is they didn't even use the most well-known Spider-Woman. I mean, there is a Spider Woman that's like that next tier up as far as recognizability, and they didn't even use her. So I mean, because <laughs> uh, it's, it's a weird. There's a lot of questionable decisions, and I'm actually excited for that because I I actually trust what Sony Pictures Animation is doing yeah. more than I ever do their live action team. So oh no, I meant the live action one too. There's a live action in development hell. I don't know where that is, but um, no, yeah, but, uh, that's, I think Jeff, yeah, you can make a Jessica Drew one, but this was just. This is nothing. It connects to nothing else in this Spider-Man universe. We are still just kind of free floating with these weird half ideas and none of this syncs up in any kind of way. If you are hoping that Venom is mentioned, any of that, none of that, it's not even in the same time period. So none of that is yeah. relevant. It's, yeah. it's not dumb fun like Venom or yeah. Venom 2. It's not a car crash like Morbius. It's just unpleasant. And I, I've already seen the jokes of like, why couldn't this have been shelved for tax purposes? And we get back and said, I hate that those are our options. I hate that on one hand, it's we never get to see it because business wants to be shady. And on the other hand, we get crap like this. I hate that it, we don't yeah. just get good storytelling and good movies, even if they can't use one particular character. I hate that. Right. Yeah. And I know why they put it out. All of these, the ladies in this ensemble are all big enough across. And I wrote about this across the board. Either they have established fan bases from like 50 shades or they're the new TikTok, you know, stars of today. Um, Sydney's cleaning up in a different movie. That's killing this at the box office. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. Uh, Her so, rom-com like, is like the biggest in forever uh, yeah. for, for that genre. So yeah, Sydney Sweeney's killing yeah. it right now, but and like she's become the main attraction. Yeah, and this but this movie's just ridiculous. The and first of all, I was I was going to set out and like maybe do an article about this. When you don't know how to say a movie is bad, everybody in the industry and film Twitter stop saying it's a two thousands movie. Mm -mm. When you start looking pound for pound versus like the heights and misses of the two thousands versus the two thousand and tens, bro, chill, okay? Yeah. Like, let's stop trying to use the two thousands as a code word for bad comic book movies. There were plenty of good comic book movies in like, the two thousands. Like, I know culturally, culturally, we were in kind of a dead zone after nine eleven because we didn't know what to do and how to react, but we still had good stuff. Yeah, like the original first two Spider Man movies are Martin Scorsese level compared to what this is. So please do not invoke the two thousands. This is not a two thousands movie. It's just a bad movie. Constantine was better than this. Yeah. Oh, and I like Constantine. Wait, was good. I, I, I like Constantine. No, let's not throw. Yeah, don't people, throw Constantine. People on throw this Constantine under the bus, but I like that. Oh yeah, no. I mean, like, oh yeah, Constantine. I mean, geez, even in TV, right? I mean, there's there's a there was actually some really good stuff in there. There was bad stuff too, obviously. Like, oh, yeah, no, no one's trying to say there wasn't bad stuff. Uh, what was his? Uh, oh my God, what's his name? Baywatch guy. Uh, Nick Fury exists. You know what I mean? Was that like the late '90s, early 2000s? The yeah, Nick Fury yeah. show. Yeah, Nick Fury okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. With uh, that even had Victoria in it. Um, what's her name? Victoria Allegra. Yeah. To, like, to, yeah. to link off of what we'll be talking about later. Both Tim story, fantastic four movies were better than this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't. Oh man! Oh man! That's the first one. Yes, boy. That second one just—it's bad. It, I don't know that bad. once yeah. Doom got on a surfboard, it kind of lost me forever. 
<laughs> it's clobbering time, Matthew. Right, but like, yeah, but it's better. But it is better than this. Even the second one is better than this. Yeah. I promise you. This is literally okay, watching a group of women walk in circles and make the most weird decisions about how to avoid a killer and stay together as as a group ever, mm-hmm. and none of it makes sense. And the, I, the one thing that I just couldn't stop laughing about through the whole movie is trying to put the only 2000s thing about this is the she's all that factor of trying to put Sydney Sweeney in a pair of glasses and a mousy haircut in a full blouse and being like, well, now she's just nerdy. And it's like, what? Like, what? <laughs> like, come on, bro. Let's just stop. I'm shy and awkward. I'm you so shy and awkward. It's like, all right, sure. Anyway, I'm not going to beat up again. I'm not beating up on the actresses. I'm not even going to beat up on the director. I'm just going to say the I studio. I can't say it's any of their fault. No. This is so clearly a production. Thing. Yeah. So the studio, I don't know what you're doing, Sony. But as far as I'm concerned, Craven's already dead to me. I posted that on Twitter. I'm done. Like, I told you guys I'm hinging this all on Deadpool 3. Craven... I got to do it for this job. They, but that's it. Again, these spy, these Sony Spider-Man spinoff movies, it feels like a threat. It feels like we are being threatened with Craven and Venom 3. But right now, the <laughs> bar is so low that I'm actually expecting those to be better. Is this yeah, one? Is, so like because the Sony thing's so low right now, can I get a cardiac movie cleared? I feel like that would yeah, be this is the time. Is this is the time to like start a campaign and strike because like it can't get worse. If right? Cardiac killing off all these characters. <laughs> it's just a movie about cardiac hunting down these characters and killing. I think them. it would kill. It would kill. Be the next hit. All right. Be amazing. But that's it for Madam Web. Like I said, uh, you know, if you want to go over to our other feed for the Marvel podcast, they are doing. I mean, poor Marvel outlets. They are doing everything they can to give you guys a deep dive into this movie, and uh, I hope you guys come back up if you go down there. Because uh, it's a dark, dark guy. <laughs> All right, it's, so that's Battle of the in theaters now, if you care. Uh, all right Somebody Oh, that's talk. true, Brywood. Yes, that is the one thing that I would like from this movie. I would like would some they? action figures because I think the costume designs, as they look on paper, look cool. So they might make some cool figures. I'd actually Matt, why don't like you why don't you that. lighten things up with some fantastic four news? Yeah, I was gonna say it's not all bad, right? There's a there's a lot of good stuff. Uh it's just man, talk about um you know, it's one of those things, the chicken and the egg type thing, right? You don't know if they went, okay, Madam Web is not going to hit. So let's hit with like all this other awesome stuff <laughs> to balance it out. Uh, or if it was just like, it just so happened that way. Um, but we did get, this is actually, we got a little bit of a live reaction. If you go back and watch uh, this week's episode of The Pool List, we reacted live to the Fantastic Four casting news released on Valentine's Day. Uh, Pedro Pascal as Reed Richards, Vanessa Kirby as Susan Storm, Joseph Quinn as Johnny Storm slash Human Torch, and Ebon Moss Backrack as Ben Grimm the Thing. We're all officially confirmed. That was the casting that had been making the rounds, but it w- it's all official with a pretty graphic with Herbie uh, on the side. Mm-hmm. So I-, I feel like it, it very much between this and one thing we'll get to in a minute, um, I th- coming out of this week... You wouldn't know it right now just because Madam Web is so fresh, but the Marvel fandom was kind of on an upswing. This is a pretty big, pretty big upswing the last like two days. Before, um, before this, we go on, I want to say you are. Yeah, I want to say you are on the money. Like 
there was a full court press distraction campaign this week <laughs> from everything Marvel released to just <laughs> the outfits that were chosen for the premiere. It was like, look at anything, look at everything except this movie. Look at Zendaya's red carpet for Dune 2 outfit. She looks like yeah. C3PO. Oh my God, that thing what? looked amazing. He looked awesome. Like no, but like the the robot style or whatever throwback. Mm -hmm. That I mean, okay, she always kills it. Also, I feel like I'm more. I was more excited for the red carpet for Dune than I am the movie. But (laughs) maybe that's just me. Talking real crazy now. Let's let's pull it back in. Just being honest. Just being honest. Johnson barely clothed herself to just go to this premiere, and there were more photos of that on my timeline than in her and Sydney Sweeney than there were of that Madam Web stuff. So, good job. Good job, PR. So I, I've, I've got a take on the Fantastic Four stuff because I wasn't on for yeah, when the news for dropped. So I love this casting, and it's the casting that we had all kind of talked about a few months ago that was rumored, and we we all said at the time, like, yeah, no, this makes sense. Pedro's a little bit older, but and obviously he's likable, and he's playing an unlikable character, so what do you do with that? That's all a matter for later. My thing is this. When I heard the news, I kind of went, okay, this still doesn't make me entirely confident for this movie. Here's the thing, because we've had very bad Fantastic Four movies before that had good casts. We had Fan Four Stick. Michael B. Jordan was three years before he was in Black Panther. We were a year (laughs) removed from Whiplash before What's-His-Face was Mr. Fantastic. We were, I think, Miles Teller removed from Kate Mara in the good seasons of House of Cards. Yeah. Before she was Invisible Woman. They had a a very good cast. That movie is awful. And it's so awful that it doesn't even get the reappraisal like bad comic book movies from the 90s do where they go, okay, why was this bad? Or was this trying to do something that was misunderstood at the time? This doesn't get any of that. You don't go on YouTube and see long form essays about why Fanforstic was bad or what it was actually trying to do. We just all kind of collectively agreed, hey, this doesn't matter. We go okay, well, that's not altogether true. Matt, it's just the okay. movie let doesn't get it. It's the director. That okay, it, fan, that movie is wrapped up in Joshua Trank's yeah. many yeah, exposés. <laughs> like, it, you know what I mean? You got to let him finish. Please. The Tim Story Fantastic Four movies. Outside of Jessica Alba, that cast is fine. No one would complain if Michael Chiklis shows up as the thing again in like Deadpool 3. If he does, people will celebrate Here's the thing. You've had good actors in these roles before. And Matt, like you said, what matters is the direction and the editing after the fact, because that has killed these Marvel movies recently more than anything. The Marvels, there's a germ of a good idea in there and some good performances, but you can tell it was obliterated in the editing bay. Same with Quantumania. So for me, I love this cast, but I need Marvel to prove they can still throw out a fastball. They've got the right people in place, but if this thing is obliterated in post-production, doesn't matter that we've got genuinely good talent in these four roles. So that's why I look at this and I go, okay, that's, this is fine, this is promising, but this does not guarantee a good movie. Um, I'll say a couple of things. I'll say, first of all, I hard disagree about comparing these casts. I think... As you said, Fantastic Four 2015, 
all those kids were still on the come up. The, the point is, is that they, there has been talent in these roles right. before, I, and yeah. it doesn't equate to a good movie. Right. I think there is much more talent in this cast right here, like than we've ever seen in, in a Fantastic Four movie or necessarily had any right to see in a Fantastic Four movie. And I think that's I think the key here is who they chose and who's heading the choosing. I think Matt Shackman is a guy who has is just bubbling and this is his chance. I mean, what he did for WandaVision, I think proves that he can get the combination of story dynamic, like kind of superhero story dynamics, family drama, and playing in these kind of period references that have this kind of meta level of meaning to it. So I think that I'm more confident in him than I am director Tim Story from the original Fantastic Four movies or Josh Trank, which we all know the meltdown that poor guy went through. Yeah. So I think though that's very different. I also think we are back in the Bob Iger era. I don't think like I don't I think the train runs very differently now. I don't think any of these big productions are going to be allowed to just do their thing. And then Iger comes in at the end and is like, "Uh oh, we've got a problem here. I think they're over the shoulder, like on the dailies, like they're like, okay. And if this stuff isn't working, I feel like it's going to be during production that they're like, we're changing this or we're doing that. And it's going to be getting back to old school, big Bob. Like, no, we are producing big blockbusters that are going all four quadrants that are going to make, you know, we're looking at that Billy line again. So I think it's a little bit different. And I think the time it's taken before we've gotten here hasn't been wasted or rushed. I feel like these are the actors for this. And this is the director for this script. I have no idea about because there is this whole MCU thing. We got a service. That's the factor that I think is the only difference here. We have so much. There's so much pivotal stuff that now that we know this film's coming out, it's going to be set in the sixties and like what the fantastic four does and how does it connect to the MCU multiverse saga? That's the place I feel like we could get tripped up. And even Whereas we have a great family movie, but then there's this, you know, multiverse stuff we got to do. Even that has tripped up some otherwise genuinely interesting movies. You look at Doctor Strange too. Like Sam Raimi's fingerprints are all over that, but it immediately grinds to a halt when we go, okay, we got to do the Illuminati and we, we've got to go to it. We've got to get all these cameos in. Uh, Raimi's like, okay, I'm going to have fun killing them. But that movie so, was so clearly shackled by the bigger picture stuff. And I hope to God that does not happen to this one. Well, I think the 60s also kind of eliminate that, right? Because we're in a really unexplored time period now. And uh, there's an excellent article up on comicbook.com, Marvel, which is, you know, just running down based on MCU canon, who would be around or alive if this is in the main universe and or if it's in an alternate universe. But I could see this being a story about them kind of getting transported out somewhere and coming back later and, being, you know, doing the Ant-Man, right? Like they were gone. I mean, the thing, the thing that like, turns oh. them fantastic could also be the thing that makes them jump forward in time. Exactly. So I'm I'm hopeful about this. What about Janelle? Matt, how do you guys feel? We're just arguing in the studio here. Oh, there's air. I mean, I'm sorry. I forgot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, I didn't Go I, ahead, Janelle. You know, we did a live react of this um, on our Wednesday show, which was so great. So you guys can definitely check that out. And um, I I was just really pumped because I love seeing some of my favorite actors in these roles like I just I'm I have so much faith in this. I really do feel like this could be 
our saving grace. This could be the thing that gets us really excited about Marvel content again. I mean, not for nothing, like Loki season two did that for me. It got me totally sold again. I'm super in it and and ready to like be in love with Marvel content again. So um, I, I have really high hopes, truly. I know that I'm probably coming from less of a um, critical side of things. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, like, you know, I don't have any preconceived notions with uh, these four and this this entire franchise because this wasn't one of the comics that I was reading my whole life and I have these mm. standards and expectations. So um, because I'm so, I have so much faith in each individual actor that they did cast and how much I love them in previous projects that they've been in, I have really high hopes. Yeah. Okay. As a footnote, Fantastic Four has swatch, SWAT release dates uh, oh. with um, Thunderbolts. And now Fantastic Four is coming earlier on July 2025. Bob Iger also hinted at they were shifting things around due to confidence in the project and the importance of it. And so I think that's a good sign for this movie as well. Yeah. And so... Uh, and Thunderbolts is going to be coming on May 2nd now. Also interesting that they confirmed that that's still happening because a week ago we weren't sure. Yeah. Yeah, that thing so, has experienced a rotating cast, it feels like. So um, <laughs> we'll yeah, see. So we have see Thunderbolts coming later. earlier, Fantastic Four coming earlier, which makes me think, what's we getting in later in the year? I don't know. Werewolf by Night 2. Do it. Yeah, let's do something there. Um, So that's a good footnote. Uh. Let's move on. We probably need to take a break, right? Nah, not yet. We got it. We'll pay bills later. Let's talk about our other main event thing that we're here to do. And that is X-Men. Who wants to take that? Janelle, anybody? You want to take that one? Oh, that's invincible. I think it's really funny that I'm taking X-Men. I love it. Uh, So our X-Men, you guys, the X-Men 97 trailer reacts. I'm very excited (laughs) about Believe it or not. Oh, my God. I'm like fan rolling out, but it was so sentimental for me because I do remember this as a kid. Like I didn't think I remembered it. And then I did. And I, everything, every character. And I, God, I'm so grateful that you guys have been making me read X-Men comics for the past year and a half, because this is just, this is, I'm living for this. I think they did a spectacular job with the animation, with the storyline. I'm super intrigued. Um, I I feel like they gave us a lot, but not too much in this trailer. Mm -hmm. I'm just thrilled to see where it's going. How do you guys feel about it? Um, I've been always kind of weird because I feel like nostalgia is a double-edged sword. You can feel like you can mm-hmm. go home again, but then you get there and you're like, oh, you know, we've been we've been experiencing that lately with like coming to America 2 or Good Burger 2 and things like that. But um, <clears throat> I mean, you saw the gif I used to promote this episode. There's a scene with Wolverine or with Gambit riding Wolverine and, you know, igniting his claws with kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm in. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. I'm in. This scene right here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm in. After that, I'm in. Okay. Insane. I'm in a weird spot with this one because I don't know if it was like the rights were an issue, but when I was growing up in the early 2000s, they weren't playing reruns of X-Men on things like Disney Channel and Toon Disney. It was all Spider-Man. 
and maybe the occasional like Iron Man rerun. X-Men, for some reason, they just wouldn't touch. I did watch X-Men Evolution, woefully underrated. But with this, I've got no connection. Yeah. So for me, I'm just like, hey, we finally get another X-Men thing to watch. So for that reason, I'm hyped. And yeah, freaking uh, Gambit powering up Wolverine's claws while he's on his back. That's the easiest yeah. sell in the world. Yeah, this one, uh, this, I mean, look, I, I saw online this was a, you know, wave of nostalgia. I think this is one of the ones that will seem to get it right and actually progress. I mean, they're, they're picking up the narrative, you know, pretty, pretty close from, from the last series and the characters feel like themselves, even if there are some new voices, uh, in the mix. But everyone, I mean, I don't know. When Scott says the, you know, to me, my X-Men line, like, I got chills, man. That thing, that thing hit, and it was just like, man, I, that's fantastic. Like, they really captured that. The the teaser at the very end with Magneto and setting that up of, like, hey, I'm pretty much in charge of everything in here. Um, you know, that's that's uh, it's good stuff. This is, this is fantastic. I am a huge fan of these. I had all these VHS, right? I mean, they look, and, and the marketing department knows this. They hit that poster with all the VHS tapes lined up. And I mean, they know their audience, right? So this is yep. this is right up my alley, and this is fantastic. I, I'm so hyped that Janelle is so excited for this because we I feel like this show, we've come a long way with X-Men. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's been oh yeah. Uh, it's X-Men has been kind of central to the DNA of this show in a lot of ways. Um, so this is awesome to be on on this side and see these and also see the best beast back because this is the best iteration of beast the beast in the comics sucks and so i want this back to restore my uh you know my faith that beast can be cool uh, you know i want to hear my stars and goddards you know what i mean like that's what i want to hear so yeah, well, uh, awesome trailer beast gets back to, even if beast gets back to greatness he's still just beast so uh, i think <laughs> weird shade of kelsey grammar dude. come on yeah um but that kelsey grammar's fine cool. No, Kelsey Grammer was definitely based on this beast, though. So, yeah, like, yeah. No, I know, it. but again, I have a whole series of this. I have a bad movie and a post-credit scene of of him in the role. I'm gonna go with this over that. Like, that's not even a fair comparison. I don't think anybody's fighting you on this, man. I was gonna say, I think if anything, this trailer reminded me how dark the ending of this series was, which was something I put out of my head. Apparently, um, yeah. it does end with Xavier critically injured going to the Shi'ar for help and leaving Magneto to help run the school. So it's going to be interesting to see this pick up. And uh, there's already some interesting things because as Connor pointed, there was a tweet that somebody sent me this morning that is already kind of picking up steam. Uh, I believe it's from one of the creators of the show. And there's a whole generation of kids who didn't grow up with this series and a whole generation after that who only really know MCU stuff. And so there's a whole generation of kids who know Avengers world, but have no idea about the X-Men. And well, I think it was one of the creators of the show said it's going to blow people's minds when this series comes back and they begin to realize the Avengers are just cops and the X-Men are the real heroes of the Marvel universe. I saw that tweet. Whole, that was a good tweet. <laughs> yeah, that sparked a whole thing. Um, and it is going to be very interesting because I never thought about it, but this is going to be the first, and this is a good soft introduction and Marvel's smart to do this, to get these themes in here. Because once the X-Men get into the MCU and the, and the subtext of the X-Men starts to run through the MCU, yeah, it's going to be very different. Tony Stark's going to look like an asshole because, you know, he didn't help minorities and things like that. Even it's, Cap it's crazy. doesn't Yeah, doesn't and even Cap, good. there's going to be, you know, Chris Evans' Cap is going to get a little bit dirty, smudge on his costume there. So it's going to be interesting to see how these rabid MCU fans 
who have been like, come on, we need the X-Men. And when they finally get the X-Men and they're like, wait, this is some wokeness. <laughs> it's going to be like, no, bro. It's just the X-Men. Mm-hmm. So Pretty I true. can't wait for this. And I hope this is a soft introduction that helps them get in. And, you know, we saw classic Bishop. So I'm also in because of that, you know, 90s era <laughs> Bishop will forever, forever have a soft spot in my heart. But all right, we're all in. It's time to get going. Let's go. X-Men 97. It's going to be more hyped on Disney Plus this year than I thought. So I'm excited. All right. You guys are clearly too. Let's move <laughs> on from that Let's awkward go. pause and take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about a couple things happening in the movie world. Uh, we got a couple more trailers to look at. And we got to talk about the latest episode of Halo. Plus, there's a whole Matt's Agenda section that we want to get to. So come on back with us. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture. We are deep in our bag right now. We have suffered through our reactions to Madam Web, talked about the Fantastic Four casting, talked about X-Men 97. And right now, we got a new trailer this week for Godzilla X-Kong, The New Empire. I'm not going to get too crazy deep on this. We're just kind of going to mention it. Go on comicbook.com anime or comicbook.com movies. Uh, Check out that trailer. It is Pretty much the last trailer we need. It gives us more indication about what this story is, how in some of the imagery we saw in the teaser trailer, like why does Khan Kong get his own Infinity Gauntlet and things like that. Um, this trailer kind of makes that make more sense and presents us with this interesting story. There is this part of the, uh, oh my God, I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of the monster, rep, Hollow Earth that has been in a history that hasn't been discovered. There are other monsters clearly implied in here from Scar, you know, the big orangutan guy to some kind of, you know, both Ghostbusters in this movie seem to want to do some kind of frozen, you know, deal, freezing gone bad. So there's some kind of freeze monster in this. And, um, you know, I went back and saw black and white Godzilla minus one, which I think is so much better. Like I, I went on my, I did my Mia Culpa's about that. Go back a couple of episodes. I loved Godzilla yeah, minus one. It's fun. What's that? It's fun. Well, Matt said you hated that thing. No, I hated the color version. The first uh, version I saw, they released it in black and white and I went back and saw it and I tweeted this because that was my problem with the first one. I was like, this is trying to be a retro 1950s movie, but it looks ridiculous in color. Then I saw it in black and white and I was like, this actually looks great. All right. So that aside, I like Godzilla minus one, but I have gone back and watched the MonsterVerse movies when we were doing Monarch. And I think when film Twitter shuts up and things get to move on and get into their own space, you begin to enjoy things a little bit more when it's not so serious about Twitter comments. So Mo- Monarch still feels kind of pointless. even. Oh, after I, mean, no, I mean, I don't think Monarch feels pointless, but I still feel like I think it's just some intercool thing on the side if you want to go there. But I feel like these movies are dumb fun in the kind of Fast and Furious tradition. And I don't hate any of them. I mean, Godzilla 2014 was boring. But after that. From Skull Island on, I've actually enjoyed these. Yeah. And this looks like more dumb fun. I, I just need more King Kong is monkey uh, memes because those are those give me life on Instagram. And uh, <laughs> I'm here for Bry Woods uh, references to Atlanta with the paper boy, paper boy. Got to make more paper boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But I mean, if Brian Tyree Henry gets another MonsterVerse movie or another Eternals movie, he's making the right choices. Yes. Okay? He he's making the right know, choices. Dakota I, Johnson, hire his agent. Wow. <laughs> I've I've never watched any of the Kongs ever, like any of them at all. Not even the OG one with the 
you know, New York, whatever. I, I only know King Kong because of the ride at Universal Studios as a kid. And I watched this trailer and I was pumped about it. Like, I was like, oh, I understand everything that's going on. Godzilla and Kong don't like each other, but now they're going to team up and he is intelligent life and they're going to a different land and there's a baby Kong and then there's a war breaking out and there's something even bigger <laughs> and scarier coming and they're going to defend together. And I, I was just like living for it. Loved it. I thought they did a spectacular Amazing. job with this trailer because if they can win someone over like me, I don't know. It's a good job. I need Janelle <laughs> to narrate like every trailer like that from from here on out. Those would be funny cuts. That was amazing. Also, also Kong's the best part of this franchise for me. I love yes. Kong Skull Island. Uh and he was the best part of their last crossover. So honestly, I could give I could care less if Godzilla's in this. I'm gonna be watching it for the Kong parts and then oh hey Godzilla's showing up and they're gonna team up. It'll be fun. But I don't care. Like that side of the universe is not the one I care about. I'm invested no, in yeah. Kong. They did such a good job in that first one of making you care. And it looks like they're going to follow that up here with even more character development in this giant ape. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm all for it. I think, yeah, I think they realize that after King of the Monsters. It's like, you can't make Godzilla a compelling protagonist. He's a force of nature and that's it. Yeah. And that's all he functions as, is a force of nature. What is that nature trying to do? That's it. Is it trying to eliminate humanity? Is it trying to eliminate other monsters? And Toho and the rights, if you guys don't know behind the scenes, Toho's pretty crazy about how, like, it was mandated that Godzilla ultimately had to win in the first film because Toho isn't taking any slights he, to the He's character. got that Vin Diesel contract. Yeah, he's worse, he I was about to say he's worse than Vin Diesel. They're worse than Vin <laughs> Diesel or The Rock, man. They, they are like, we are, we, and he's got like that LL Cool J clause. I am not dying in this movie. Um, so Godzilla's just a force of nature. You can't build around that. We we're never getting into Godzilla's internal struggle beyond Ken Watanabe helping him out with a nuclear bomb snack. That's the most vulnerable we'll probably ever see Godzilla. And it's like, nobody's looking for that. Kong is the character you can build around. Godzilla is a force of nature he's got to deal with. And how they settle that, it looks like they're going to have a little you know, battle for dominance again in this one before to decide who's going to lead this thing before they maybe just team up. So it, yeah, they're smart to just change directions on that. Ah, I said we weren't going to get too but deep into this. I'm sorry. Way. The clip of them running is still the most bizarre visual, but it's not worse than anything in Madam Webb. So no, it's so cool. Also, that's how I run. I see myself in them. <laughs> oh, we all, yeah, you're either a Kong runner or you're a Godzilla runner. It's going to be the new Batman Joker. We're all going to, we're all going to get on TikTok and, and identify. We'll have some comic book nation races and we'll see which one of us will do slow-mo. Who's the Kong and who's the Zilla. All right. Um, Dune part two reactions are out. It seems like Dune part two is going to be pretty hype. We don't need to go too deep into that. We're going to, I think I see, I have a screening coming up this week and uh, yeah, we'll be back to kind of give you some early words on this, but I think time has done this franchise nothing but favors i think the academy award sweeps because it came away with six oscars if you don't remember mm -hmm. um i know it was in a weird time that it won them but it did win oscars and it did have a pretty big box office and when this thing hit netflix and things like that it was on the top of the charts for a while so i think time has done a lot of favors for dune to making people care about dune giving them the time to just get what dune is about and uh you know zendaya timothy chalamet these people are not lesser stars now than they were a couple of years right. ago so this is going to be a big one and i am hyped for it this is my cinema of the next couple of months i'm going imax it i already got a second screening setup and so i'm hyped for this I, dune has grown on me 
a lot. So I'm like, take me. Zendaya has more lines in this trailer than she had in the entire first film. That is true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So well, I'm right. down. Was she in the first I, one? She, yeah, she's completely remember. irrelevant. <laughs> I didn't know who the enemy kind of was. Yeah, she I was, was so disappointed. The, the first Dune, I was so disappointed and I was not into it. I did not look forward to this at all. And then I saw this trailer and it's stunning. And uh, Zendaya is giving with her lines and I feel a love story and I feel action and I feel... I just feel moved. So I, they they crushed this trailer as well. To someone who kind of was not really even excited about Dune at all because I did not like the first film, they have won me over with this. Also, him, the villain, he's creepy. That's so, Elvis, baby. Yeah. And, yeah, I and know. What made, all those, what made all those popcorn buckets angry in the trailer? Good <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah, um, I think you, but yeah, but I, inevitably, I think anybody who's going to go see this, you got to go back and watch the first part again. Um, and really nail down like now that you know the mythology because all that stuff that seemed so hard to get your head around like the voice that Paul Atreides can use the Jesuit the Ben Jesuit all that like you really got to kind of get that in your head especially before this next chapter because if you've never seen the end of like the original Dune there's a lot that goes down with all the mysticism and and that side of things that's much more pronounced in this so yeah you got to go you got to go back and and I can't wait to watch this as one epic one day I'm just going to carve out a day and just watch this on a big screen at home and as a whole thing. But uh, yeah, we're excited for Dune 2. We'll be back with that coverage. Uh, we also got a trailer for Invincible Season 2 Part 2, but uh, you guys can play it, but I'm not going to watch it. I'm just going to watch the series. I don't want to know anything. Uh, I feel like it doesn't give away a lot. I know things. Way to go, Rich. I, I know things. I know who's in that coffin, and it's going to make you sad. But I'm not going to say why. Yeah, so I'm not watching the trailer. I mean, I don't know anything that Connor references, but we have it up on comicbook.com anime. You can watch it. You can do that to yourself. I'm smart. I like to preserve my content experiences, but we are going to be back. And I'm saying this all to say we will be back doing our Invincible Season 2 Part 2 recaps, maybe with a new anime-focused segment under our belts. Stay tuned. All right. We got things cooking. Yeah, check that out. Um, I got a chance. Uh, we also should talk about uh, Halo Season 2, Episode 3. Uh, you can listen to me and Matt break down the episode in detail over on our Quick Save, our gaming segment. Quick Save, our episode went up with the episode on Thursday. Uh, not only did we break down this episode and kind of make some big, big statements about the state of Halo in the, the TV show, we also got to talk to Christina Rodlow, who plays Colonel uh, Perez in the show, the person who Master Chief gets kind of a close connection to in these first couple of episodes. Perez is a pivotal character in this kind of first arc, and we got to sit down and talk. Well, Matt did got to sit down and talk with her, uh, continuing our discussions with the Halo cast and crew. So go on to our feed after this. Check out our quick save recap of Halo Season 2, Episode 3. But uh, me and Matt, I think I can speak for quickly for both of us saying this was the episode. And Matt, we were validated by Twitter. How about that? And we were validated by Twitter <laughs> saying this was the episode that proves in season two that this is a whole last show with real showrunners, real focus. And they are producing good episodes of TV for each installment. We've had now two hours of Halo. That is all character development, table setting, 
and very little action, and they've been fantastic. So the thing you've been te- that you talked about last week that you were teasing, Halo fans of the games will immediately recognize that's next week, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. We going in next week. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> next week is I even wrote up an article kind of just hyping this up. Next week we are going in for one of the biggest things in the Halo mythology, and uh, yeah, I, I mean I, I can't. I mean talk about a turnaround in a show like. It's been crazy how much this show has been turned around and made interesting. At least that was what me and Matt, I believe, said. What about you guys? Janelle, did you watch this one? Uh, of course. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm obsessed. <laughs> this this is the show that I look forward to every week. I'm just pumped about it. Um, I, did, I didn't get to check them out back to back, so it's been weekly for me. And uh, every single week so far, well, every single time, only only been two, but each week has been very uh, satisfying and rewarding for me. There is some lore that, of course, I don't quite understand, but you guys keep reassuring me that it's okay because a lot of people don't understand it um, or know what's going on. And the bottom line is the actors are actually doing great in this in this series and every single role. Um, and you know, I said it before, but Joseph Morgan in that, in that lead, like kind of villainous role. It did anybody watch the vampire diaries because he is just giving me Klaus. (laughs) Like it is Klaus in, in the future, (laughs) like the vampire anyways, that he played a very scary original vampire. Um, but he's so good. God, I love him. I actually need to yeah. catch up on the Vampire Diaries. I know he's in it. I don't. Yeah. Like I know of he's Vampire Diaries through reels. <laughs> yeah. No, he's literally so. my favorite character in the entire series. So. Yeah. It, but we funny, we right? talk about this in the episode of like Morgan is just just he's like not just eating scenes. He's just like devouring them and, <laughs> and then finding room for more. That dude is amazing in this show. He is I, house I from the vampire diary. He's such a all villain. Right, so right. so we're not going to die. Yo, yo, you all true. We're not going back in the die vampire. Diary. I'm just saying he is so good as a villain. What I was, um, what I was saying was, it's funny. My my better half, she loves vampire diaries and she played Halo. She still cannot get into this show. Oh. I'm gonna see if she'll watch next week. Because yeah, I mean, I think that might be enough. I mean, it's not going to be for everybody. I mean, this is a very, I mean, let's be honest. This is a very male demo heavy, like kind of show. I mean, it's doing more expansive things and trying to get a wider audience in there. But uh, yeah, I think you, I mean, it's, it's get, it's finding its footing in that respect. And after next week, we don't know what the back half of the season looks like. And that's going to be where the tale is really told. So Stay tuned. We are going to be talking Halo episode four. Oh, I can't wait to recap. We got so much to do on that one, and it's going to be all ready. We got fun things lined up. So, again, stay frosty. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to real quick just mention a couple things for my agenda before we throw to Matt to close out the show. Uh, I reviewed Bob Marley, One Love for comicbook.com. You know, it is Black History Month. So I got to make sure that we do things around this place. So I hopped in here and did this. And um, what I said is I gave it a three out of five star review. I said that um, Bob Marley won love, which let's all put down the caveat that this is a movie that is heavily produced and influenced by the Marley family. Rita Marley, Bob's wife, is still alive. Her son, their, you know, their first son, Ziggy, their daughter still, you know, there's a bunch of Marley still running around here. And their imprint, Tough Gong Pictures, was one of the studios behind this, okay? So why am I telling you this? Because, you know, there's a difference between when a third party does a biopic about a person. 
where they tend to try to factor in the good, the bad, and the ugly of the person and to kind of give you a three-dimensional portrait of who this person was, right? Um, the maestro is a good example. Uh, you know, Bradley Cooper obviously had a love of his subject, but he didn't shy away from his failings, his shortcomings, the darker periods of his life. This movie's not going to do that. Mm -mm. This movie is celebrating Bob Marley on almost a divine reverence level. It's And there is this spiritual component that's from Jamaican culture that is very heavily woven into this movie. The Rastafari belief and vision of the universe, you know, the kind of trippy mind space they get into from smoking just crazy amounts of weed. And they try to recreate that mysticism on top of this. And, and a lot of this is very reverent. So this is a shining portrait of Bob Marley. Kingsley Benadir is, I mean, this guy's crazy. Jumping from Secret Invasion, where he was like, the one thing we could count on to this is insane. And he becomes Bob Marley. I mean, this guy nails everything just from the nuances to his thoughtfulness, to his spaciness, to, to it all. But Lashana Lynch is right there as Rita Marley. And it's so good. And so the movie's weird because it it takes this time period in Bob Marley's life and it's trying to frame him. Terrence Winter, a bunch of guys are trying to kind of condense this all down. Mm -hmm. But it's about his near assassination, how that sent him away from Jamaica, put him in this existential crisis and ultimately led to the creation of Exodus as a album that was reggae, but also began to incorporate a lot of more worldwide you know, you know, rock and roll and other things that changed the sound. And it became like, you know, the now crazy forever classic album that it was, that's been called, you know, the defining one of the 20th century. Does it fall into the same pet pitfalls that a lot of music biopics do where it's trying to condense too much into a small runtime? No, I mean, they pick a good focus thing. Cause it's like Bob almost dies. And then it's making this great album. And, and that was the last five years of his life. He got shot in 1976. He died in 1981. Mm -hmm. In between there, he went around the whole world and changed the world. So it's kind of about like using that as, oh, I had this moment of mortality where I've realized, you know, Jamaica, all of this might not be as safe. I could die. My family could die. I still need to do something and I feel obligated and people are believing me to be this voice and this thing. Like, what do I do here? And it's about how do you use, and it's about him looking at life and time differently and like, you know, all of that stuff and mortality. Um, and wanting to do something with your time that's epic. And so it's all about that. But it's also just kind of the way it moves. They're very fascinated with like lingering scenes of them just sitting around recreating the moments that they created songs or came up with concepts and or even just scenes of band practice. And so it has a very weird flow to it. It it, it feels just kind of like you are high meandering through your house picking up a guitar one minute and being like, oh, all right, well, I'm going to go, hey, let's talk about life in the universe and blah, blah, blah. And so it, it has a very weird movement to it, but the character, the actors are fantastic. Um, I say, and I got to review this at one of my favorite screenings of all time still was New York City Tribeca watching the two hour, uh, two and a half hour Marley documentary. I still recommend that as the best, most comprehensive kind of look at Bob Marley. But if you want something that's just kind of a clean, shining portrait of the man and, you know, his creative process, this is a pretty good one. So there you go for all you Bob Marley fans. Um, and the, 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 the Marley on one, the Marley oh, yeah, one, right? is that a straight up? That's a straight up documentary, right? That's not a, oh, like, yeah, a that's movie. That's the best, most comprehensive documentary like ever compiled by like an Oscar winning okay. documentarian. And it is fantastic. It's nearly three hours, but it's fantastic. And it's so okay. it covers is everything that, in this movie. 
but it also tells you a lot more that they don't. Like there are Easter eggs to the fact of how many women Bob Marley was with, right? Like how many times did he have other women besides Rita? There's like one scene of conflict between them when their relationship could get uh, volatile, let's just say. Um, but there's like one uncomfortable scene of that in this movie. But you know, when you're when you are Rita making the thing and you are the children making it, I get why you don't want to right. necessarily yeah. want to. You don't want to maximize that. You know the no. more so unfortunate it, moments and things. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it pulls the straight out of Compton. Kind of, yeah. 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 So they clean it up a little bit. Um, other thing I'll say is I didn't realize this till I opened up Netflix this morning, but the Vince Staples show is out. And I've been looking for something to fill that uh, Atlanta hole in my soul right now. And so far in episode one, the Vince Staples show might be doing it. It is crazy. Vince Staples is still one of the most hilarious figures in media, I think, today. Um, and his show is... <coughs> He says it's fictional, but it's kind of loosely based on his life, grow, you know, in Compton, California. And if you've ever heard Vince Staples speak about this subject, you understand why this show is just like Atlanta. It's weird. It's kind of dark. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, and Vince Staple is a great dark comedian. And so check that out if you're a fan. All right. I'm done talking today. Matt, take us on home, buddy. Yeah, so um, I wasn't uh, uh, here last last weekend, but uh, as always, the crew just does an amazing job, uh, whether I'm here or not. Great show. Uh, by the way, I got to watch it after the fact, an awesome show. Um, so I was busy uh, doing one of the things I love, which is uh, playing card games. I, <laughs> I had the chance uh, to go to an event from Fantasy Flight Games wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, that Specific was based around... People think you're like some weird poker shark out here. Well, I, I am. I'm going to get into the thing. So uh, Fantasy Flight Games... Uh, is invited me out uh, along with uh, some other amazing uh, people that I got to meet for the first time. And we all got to play the brand new card game that is coming out uh, for the Star Wars universe, Star Wars Unlimited. Uh, it comes out on March 8th of this year. So it's right around the corner. Spark of Rebellion is the first set. Uh, and this is their new trading card game that um, is kind of looking to be a like this is going to be around for a while right like that's the hope they're really putting a lot into this um we got to try out the game quite a bit uh i got to unbox some some cards actually still have some i've had some amount of self-restraint and haven't unboxed everything yet because we're going to shoot a unboxing thing for the channel be on the lookout for that but one of the big things this does obviously is uh, number one uh goes for a kind of animated almost art style uh, in the cards. It is 1v1, uh, but they announced a multiplayer mode as part of the big live stream event uh, last weekend that uh, will accommodate four people uh, if you want to play that way uh, and kind of uh, make some changes to the core mechanics. But the core game is 1v1. It's awesome because all, your whole thing is defending a base. And that's your base card. And you have a leader, one of many kind of iconic characters. Uh, Thrawn is one, obviously. Leia, Luke, Darth, all the all the people you would think. Uh, one of my personal favorites, Hera. I, I actually made my first trade at the event and got her. So I'm very excited for that. Chewie, all the people, right? And you have one leader. And then the board is split between space on one side and ground on the other. And so you actually have ships you're playing into space against other ships, right? It, it's all space warfare, and then it's ground warfare, troops, leaders, all that. But occasionally certain cards do let you attack the other pool, right? Or affect it. So you have two lanes of combat. Your ultimate goal is to try and take out the base, but you have a leader who is, right? If you have Darth Vader, you do want to get him out on the board. 
And you can do that like once per game. You can actually use an action after a certain point and bring him onto the board, use his abilities. There's upgrades for him, right? You can give them their lightsabers and all that. And all these are through building a deck as you go pulling cards that you've made that custom deck with or ones that are pre-built for you. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of strategy just in the each turn. And the best thing about it is that it's a one action versus one action type of game. So I take literally, I do one thing. I either put a card out on the board or I attack with someone or whatever. And then the opposite player goes. So there's not this like giant lull of time between when some, when the opponent is doing something, you're not just twiddling your thumbs. You literally have, you know, maybe sometimes 30 seconds to a minute or two of, oh, I'm not doing something. And then you're right back in it. So it's really fast paced. It's also from the time I've spent with it, supremely easy to learn and to teach. Uh, this is a game I can teach someone in 15 minutes. And so whether you're used to card games like this, training card games or not, whether you're a Star Wars fan or not, uh, I, you know, someone can teach you and, and better people than me, right? Can teach you even even shorter time, but I can teach you the core mechanics of this in 15 minutes and you can be playing. And that's amazing for, some people see Star Wars and they want to jump in, but maybe there's an intimidation factor there for these kinds of experiences. You don't need that. And, and it's awesome. There's a bunch of other layers that you can add if you want to start building your own decks and lining things up. You can do all that. So the depth is there, but it's really approachable. Uh, and the other great thing is the booster packs that you can use to fill out your packs are 16 cards each. And typically what it's come down to in, in other games, a lot of other games, but you know, also even past Star Wars games, is that... You open a pack and you get a bunch of cards that like you're going to use, but you only care about one card in the pack, right? And that's whatever card is at the back. So it's whatever the shiny thing is. Uh, we've been taught that. Star Wars Unlimited tries to shake that up a bit by offering, you of course have your commons and uncommons and legendaries, but you also have, uh, you know, showcase variants, which are super rare, like, alternate art versions of cards. So like certain leaders have a show, Princess Leia has a showcase variant. So you can have a Princess Leia card as your leader and everyone can get that, right? But then there's a super rare version that has completely different art on it. It's it's beautiful. Uh, same stats, nothing changes there. It's just, you know, the aesthetic appearance, right? But it's gorgeous. It's gonna, it, it's gonna look very different and kind of set that apart for you. Then you have hyperspace, variants which are like they remove the outside border and so you see more of the art and then there's foil versions of all the cards so you can get like a hyperspace foil and it's again doesn't change any of the abilities you can do the same things as your opponent can do if they have that card but it's just all these kind of built-in different rarities for you to unpack as you're going through the pack so you can get like three upper tier cards in a pack. It's not just one card. You have to kind of look at everything, right? So they're kind of building in that collectability. And the game is fun. The game is supremely fun. I got smoked the first time I played this, uh, <laughs> but I got smoked really quick. And it was like, it didn't turn me off to the experience, right? Because you're like, oh, I learned from that. Uh, and I wasn't just sitting there for half an hour going, I already lost. Like that's a bummer. That's, that's a huge kind of detriment to certain games. Uh, because you can't get into it and you lose interest. And this does not have that. So I think uh, so far, 
Uh, so good. This is, I, I'm really excited for number one to play this more, but also to play this, start playing this with other people, get people involved. Uh, this is right around the corner. Uh, you can check out, we've got an interview coming to the channel, uh, with one of the team from fantasy fly. We'll also have more coming from that age. We're going to have gameplay stuff as well. Breakdown articles for you. So you can be all set to jump into this when it hits. Uh, so definitely keep an eye on star Wars unlimited. Uh, I think you will dig it. So that's me. All right, another Star Wars news, breaking news. We're going to be getting a Mandalorian game from uh, Respawn Entertainment, who did Apex Legends, Titanfall, and Star Wars Jedi Survivor. It's going to be a first-person bounty hunter-themed game uh, built around the Mandalorian. So Mando ain't just getting a movie. He is getting a video game, too. So that is breaking news over on Star Wars uh, comic book Star Wars. You can go on to that page and check that out because, uh, yeah, breaking news just dropped about 10 minutes ago. So, perfect Mandalorian too, video game. Perfect time because they up. announced the first two leaders of the next set, and it's Mando and Moff Gideon. So, uh, the Mandalorian is also coming to this game as well whenever that next set hits. Just keep your live service nonsense out of this, and you might have a hit. Yep, and uh, we gotta <laughs> wait and see about consoles. It could be somebody could be courting this as an exclusive. There could be there could be a lot. So we'll be back in. As I said, subscribe to Comic Book Nation and check out Quick Save every every Thursday, where we drop uh, new gaming news or react to and review big things in the gaming industry. All right, that'll do it for our show today. I want to thank you guys all for tuning in with us. We love our Comic Book Nation community. Uh, I got to do my spiel at the end. Subscribe to Comic Book Nation on your platform feeds, uh, on your social, on your podcast platform, platform feeds. That's a terrible word. Pla- on your podcast platforms. We are on Apple, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You can also subscribe to the Comic Book Nation YouTube page where we drop all kinds of awesome bonus material from some of our more geekier recaps and in-depth talks to interviews with some of the biggest cast and crew of these projects that you love. We will see you guys next week. Be sure to check us out during the week when we're all back jumping in here in our various spinoff episodes of this show. Protect yourselves from Madam Web, almost like it's Bird Box. <laughs> Put something over your eyes and don't let people make you watch that. I want you guys to be okay. We love you. Peace. Later. Later.